0: How many have ever heard this uh, quote? There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus. Maybe you've only heard the first part of that. There is a God-shaped vacuum in every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God. Anybody ever heard that? do you know who said that originally? What was that? C.S. Lewis. That's what I thought. I think he quoted it. That's what I thought. And when I looked it up, it's actually from the mid-17th century. It was Blaise Pascal, um, uh, French mathematician, physicist, philosopher. He first said that. And um, Here at the beginning of the year, of a new year, and I consider, you know, today's only the 13th day of the year, I hope uh, to encourage us to to sort of focus and, you know, refocus our hearts on what's of first importance, what's most important for God's glory and for our, our own satisfaction and Personally, I believe that what brings God glory is always going to be the most satisfying thing for us too. If we actually do the will of God and honor Him, we will be more satisfied than doing anything else. Kind of as Ryan was saying, all these different reasons for being in church. This person needs you, that person needs you, and I need it. Ultimately, I do. When I worship God, God gets glory, and I get satisfied. There's something about it. Amen? Okay, listen. Somebody say amen like you mean it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we do things for, the things that are of first importance are for God's own glory and for our glory satisfaction. The two go together. Now I want to read a passage and sorry the light's a little bit funny here. I'm going to just come back where maybe I can see a little better. Um, Maybe I'll just read it from here. Maybe that'll be easier. Um, Go ahead and put that scripture up Jalen if you could. Oh thank you. Now as they were traveling along. This is Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Now as they were traveling along He entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I've preached on this several times through the last mm, 30 years or so, and usually it's been at the beginning of the year, because... and. I don't apologize for that because I think it's a great uh, sort of course correction kind of verse. It, It helps us, I think, sort of recalibrate what's most necessary. I love this thought. There is one necessary thing. And Jesus has given us an open invitation to it. An open invitation to the one necessary thing. He said in this verse, and we'll look at it more, He said to Martha, there's really only one necessary thing and Martha has chosen it. He didn't say it because Martha wasn't invited to have the same thing. He said it to her because, hey, there's one thing, one necessary thing and Mary has chosen it. Martha, it's there for you too. That's how it goes. Now, I've chosen this story for some obvious reasons and maybe... Uh, Maybe some less obvious reasons, but let's look at it. Jesus is welcomed into her home, it says in verse 38. He's welcomed into Mary's home, which probably means that she's likely the elder of the two sisters... And we know from John chapter 11 and 12 that they had a brother too. Her, Their brother was Lazarus. But she's likely the elder of the two sisters. That's why, and she's the lady of the home. That's why it's, he was welcomed into her home. So, the quality of the hospitality and the sort of degree of honor uh, that could be given... Kind of landed to Martha, it was her responsibility to see that particularly this kind of a distinguished guest, obviously they know something of him because when he comes to this uh, region they've either maybe they 've just heard him, maybe this is the first time that Jesus has come to their house or maybe not we don 't know by the time we get to the end of jesus ministry in Uh, John chapter 11 it says when Lazarus is sick his sisters send someone they send a courier to go tell him the guy you love this brother that you love our brother is sick come quickly so they had some kind of relationship established it it started to build maybe this was the beginning of it but they had a relationship where they could send to Jesus and say, your friend is sick, please come and do something about it. Come and take care of him. So here's Martha though. It's her home. She feels the responsibility that she has this extraordinary person uh, coming into, under their roof. And she feels the responsibility to make sure that he is honored by, uh, it doesn't actually say anywhere that it was dinner, but all the preparation, maybe they are talking about preparing a room for him, but I think it probably means almost for certain that she was planning to feed him. And, you know, when somebody comes over that you care about, you Try to put things together to bless them with a meal, right? It's not like, hey, there's a couple of frozen hot dogs in the freezer. You know, you pull them out and, you know, we can maybe microwave them. No, you do something that'll honor them. And hot dogs aren't it. Okay, sorry. Um, Yeah. So, Martha cares about what happens. Her sister Mary... I'm not saying she doesn't care how they honor Jesus. But she, on the other hand, saw something that she didn't want to miss. We've got Jesus under our roof. I can be close to him. And it says, and she sat at his feet, listening to his word. Some modern translations just say she sat at his feet and and listened to him. That's all. She just just listened. Listened to his word. She wasn't going to... She saw something of prime importance. She wasn't just going to kind of do other things and miss this opportunity. More about that in a minute. Verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Martha was distracted. And she loved Jesus. Again, even if this was the first time she met him, she was going all out for such a distinguished guest. She wanted to go all out. She loves Jesus. She's a servant. This is a great soul. This is somebody who welcomed Jesus into her home. I mean, who needs that pressure, right? The guy, there's rumblings. This might be the Messiah. Oh, let's have him over. If I did that, Rose would shoot me. I think this guy, <laughs> the Messiah, what? There's so much pressure. Who'd want it? Who'd want it? But here's Martha. She's a servant. No, let's invite him over. Let's welcome him into our home. Honoring him with her gift of hospitality. Showing that she values him by doing something extravagant or extra. This is a wonderful person. And even when he corrects her, it's not a harsh rebuke. You know, we don't know because it's worded. We don't, we don't know exactly by the wording, depending how we come to it. it. It might sound like, Martha, Martha, like he's put off. But I don't think so. I think even when he corrects her, he corrects her not about her desire to honor him, but about being distracted. Now that word, it says Martha was distracted. That word the greek word that is in the new testament literally means drawn away it means she's disturbed about something and it says that when it says you're worried and bothered or you're you're anxious or disturbed about a lot of things but distraction here it means she was drawn away something drew her away From the most important thing. There's something of more value here. And she's being drawn away after other things. Good as they are. Important things. But not the most important things. By all her preparations. But she wants to serve. And the problem wasn't her serving. It wasn't her service. It was distraction. And anxiety. And worry. That's what the problem was. That's what the problem was. She was trying to express love in service. That's a good thing, amen? That's often a very good thing. Expressing love in service. That's a worthy pursuit. And oftentimes it is. But in some contexts, it may be keeping us from what's most necessary. We're busy about serving and what's needed is maybe some attention and not a whole bunch of things. In a relationship, say in a marriage, some degree of love is expressed in service, right? That's just reality. You have to do things. It's like um, some, some degree of love is expressed in serving, but not all. Some is. Sometimes what's needed by the object of our love, is our undivided attention. That might be the thing that's needed. It's like maybe a word. Maybe my old pastor from Alberta, he used to say whenever he'd do weddings, he would say to people, you need to love in action. But then he'd always make sure he said, And you need, and he would say this specifically to husbands, and you need to tell your wife, I love you. Not, you know, he used to say this old joke about, you know, do you love me? Listen, when we got married, I said I did. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) No, that's, sorry, that's not good enough. Nobody's going to take that, you know. Um, Do you love me? Well, I took out the trash, didn't I? No, that, right now, that service isn't what? somebody needs. And so here we have this same, a similar kind of thing. And not for Jesus' benefit, but even for ours. What's needed here might not be expressing your love in service. What might be needed right here is expressing your love like Mary with undivided attention. I want you, Jesus. I'm I need to be near you. I need to hear you. I need to hear what you have to say. So finally, Martha reacts. And she complains to Jesus. And it's even a little funny because I think she's even sort of complaining at Jesus. She says, Do you not care? (laughs) And the New Living Translation, if you have that translation, it says, uh, how is it here? But Martha was distracted uh, by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Doesn't it seem unfair to you, Messiah, Lord? Doesn't this seem a little bit off to you that I'm in there slaving and Mary's in here? Notice one thing, though. In there, in a few translations, actually only two that I know of, in the New American Standard and in King James, there's a word in there. It says, uh, Martha welcomed him, and she had a sister called Mary who also was sitting at his feet listening to him. And some think that word also means in addition to doing some of the help, she was also doing that, that she wasn't necessarily just sitting. Others think, I would maybe land here, that it means she also was sitting at his feet because there were other people there like his disciples. So Mary was also with these others sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so anyway, here's Martha. She's doing all that finally. She can't take it. Uh, She reacts. She complains uh, to Jesus and sort of at Jesus. Don't you care? And she says this. And is Jesus upset? No. But he does, he does correct her. Now, some, I think some translations help with the sense of this rebuke. And they say it, Martha, dear Martha. They add that in there. And I think it's meaningful. I think that probably is there. Martha, I don't think it was like, oh, man, you're a downer. You tick me off. Like, just chill out. You know, no, I don't think it was like that. That's how it would be if it was me. (laughs) This is Martha, dear Martha. He's happy to be in her home. He's happy to be there. He's happy that she's trying her best to honor him. You're worried and bothered about so many things. I want you to relax. Really, only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen it. And it won't, it won't um, be taken away from her. I wouldn't dream of taking this away from Mary. Luke is the only writer who mentions this little m- moment, this, this encounter. And he doesn't say what happens. He, he leaves it there. And I think in the, in the wisdom of God, He might leave it open-ended so that when we read it and we insert ourselves in the story, it's like, okay, which way am I going to go? Am I going to say you're right? Am I going to get defensive? Well, I was trying to bless you. I'm going to serve. I'm there. No, or am I going to say you're right, Lord? I need to see things rightly again and sit and listen i'm i'm anxious and i'm caught up with all of this stuff and even i'm too busy to be with you i'm so busy serving you jesus that i'm not even with you anymore and this is actually a trap for all of us but i feel like it's a trap for me as a pastor my vocation is as a pastor and it's easy to get caught up at times like oh i'm i'm in your word to get something to give out and years ago i was in the word and i i, I journaled this one passage and i thought maybe ryan was almost going to say this when he was speaking about you know, come to church because it makes me better. It makes me better for my neighbor. It makes me better. And it's like, I've journaled this one time, and it was, the, the theme was, I need God for me. Not just as a minister, I'm studying, and I'm getting something to dole out, you know, to do that kind of thing. Because actually, if that's the case, I know that the quality is down. If it's not... You know, if it's not first-hand encounter, if it's not coming to me. It's like, you know when somebody gets something out of their Bible sometime and they say, Malik has told me some of the things, there was a time about a year ago, he phoned me and I was driving home and he said, hey, I, I was reading the Word and I want to run something by it, to just see. And he told me about this thing that God spoke to him out of the Word. And it's like, that's that first-hand kind of stuff. You get that first-hand and it's riches. It's like somebody didn't just tell me this or regurgitate something that they got out of the word. This is from me spending time in the word. Something came alive and I need it. I need it. I'm, I'm, I, I love when God seems to, you know, give direction and there's a, a message that I can preach and it kind of comes together and he does those things. But it never is a substitute for me reading the Bible and, oh, God spoke this to me. And it's like, oftentimes, you know, it'll, that'll at some point uh, come out, uh, you know, because what goes into your heart is it, going to come out. It, that's what's going to flow out. But that thing of having a word spoken to us from God, from time with him, from time in his word, n- nothing, nothing, nothing is as life-giving and edifying as that i don't think there's anything close i don't think there's anything close I, I and sometimes you know you read things or you hear a message and it it really supplements things or you do this i i've had this so many times when somebody else was preaching and particularly when i didn't preach most weeks i remember being in church sitting on the front row and Pastor Cal at our old church, he'd be preaching something, and he sometimes he would say something, and it was like, I know if he was looking at me, he'd now be seeing a, a glazed, cross-eyed kind of look as something triggered a thought pattern, and it's like he said something, but now it's like I'm seeing something, and God's revealing something, and it's kind of like in Charlie Brown... Wah, 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 wah. I'm, I'm hearing that noise, but it's like God is now saying something and you're off. If I see that look on your face, I'll hope that's what it is. I'll tell myself it is and not just that you're sort of, you know, and I'll do the same if I see you doing this, <laughs> that you're meditating. But those words that come directly from God, they're life giving. We need them. They're. They're good, and we need God for us, and we need to get close. So I think when Jesus said, Martha, I, I want to do this for just a second. Here, let me take this chair and for one second. Let's say you're Martha, and I'm Jesus. Let's say, <laughs> and Ely is Mary sitting at my feet. No, okay, sorry. He ruined it by look, seeming proud. Here's Jesus; he's teaching. People are gathered around. Martha, you come in to complain. Okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> what a performance! <laughs> Here's what I think. And she complains, says it to Jesus, and I picture Jesus doing this kind of thing. He says, "Martha, dear Martha," um. Now I forgot what it is. My, my mind just went blank. Sorry. I've, I've lost my lines. I've a broken character. Okay. Mar- thank you, Jalen. Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. There's only one thing necessary. And I picture Jesus doing this. Almost like, like this, helping her into the next chair. Like taking her, he, like he's directing her to what she needs to do. She needs to, I want you here with me. I want you to listen. Okay. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> Oh, that was an Oscar-worthy performance. Thank you, sweetie. Yes, yeah, thank you. I think he probably took her and sat her down by him. I think he, he may very well. I, I don't see Jesus just saying, yeah, carry on. Listen, there's only one thing necessary when you're done dinner and you get all of it done. No, I think he probably kept her there. To hear what he was teaching. To hear what he was saying to the others. Now, there's only one necessary thing at this moment. Because this is, of course, not to say we don't serve. We, ex- you, you go back to Matthew chapter 4, and one of the temptations that the devil brought to Jesus was he said, all these kingdoms and their glory I'll give to you if you'll... Fall down at my feet and worship. And what does Jesus say? He says, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. It's like worship and service. Like, they're this close, He's saying in that context. No, Him only shall you worship Or, uh, worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. It's like He's using them sort of interchangeably. But at this moment, there's a moment here, Martha, don't miss it. I want you to stay close and listen. Mary has chosen that. That's what she's doing here. It appears that it's pleasing Jesus that Mary has decided... No, we'll figure that out later, but at the moment, what we need to do, kind of like being in here. We hear from Pastor Sam on, in, on the afternoon uh, a couple, few hours ago, and he says, John, the boiler room is flooded, the thing broke down, it's freezing in there, you need to be in here. And it's like, we could come in here, and there's lots of things, oh, it's different, everything. No, now it's time to worship, and it's like, so what? That's just kind of how it goes. Things are, if we wait for everything to be, you know, back to normal and perfect. No, we're going to worship Him right now. The moment, let's not miss it. Let's go after Him. Let's get near to Him. Sit here near me, Martha. Sit here near me, Mary. Listen to me. Listen to my word. I want you to know, God, and these words. Now, and I don't think, not just a teaching. I don't think, this wasn't a synagogue. This was somebody's living room. Or maybe even the outside courtyard, but it was in their home. So this wasn't necessarily a teaching, but maybe words of life coming from the lips of God in the flesh, speaking of firsthand experience from the presence of God, speaking encouragement to people, speaking a word of affirmation, words of hope so that they'd feel their hearts lifted. Oh, he's. He's clear about these things and certain about these things. Words that direct and correct and convict. Maybe words that make us know, oh man, I've been distracted. Words that stir in us God's call and purpose and destiny for our lives. And you hear that word stirred and it's like, yeah, God can use me. God wants to use me. God wants to be close to me. He wants to know me. He wants me to know Him. Words like that, maybe not a teaching, like you know this all adds up like this, no it's speaking words of life, words that root us in the transforming love of God. Could you imagine Jesus from his firsthand experience of his relationship with the Father? He says, "I and the Father are one, like linked, no division, no separation. what so? Ever. when he would speak about the love of God can you imagine what that would do I think that you know that kind of thing it's like oh I could I could tell it was so real sitting near him I could hear it and I've had moments like that I don't say that as a boast but I've, I have those moments with God where I know it wasn't just for Mary 2,000 years ago or Martha or whoever else was sitting at his feet it's for you it's for you and me to have those moments with him now at his feet, hearing him speak. And he won't just do a teaching. He'll speak words that are life to us. And I've had this experience more and more over the last few years. And I've come to appreciate sometimes when I'm praying and God's speaking something out of his word i've got a kind of a part of me that's thinking man i wish i could rem- remember this and get it all written down i'd like to remember all of this but i realize if i sit down to do that i'm gonna lose it i mean lose the flow of what god's speaking Now, oftentimes, out of his word, writing things down helps you to hold it and remember it. But there's other times where it's like, no, this is an intimate moment with him. And I may never remember this to be able to preach it, but I know that God's building depth into my soul right now. Even if I can't sort of quantify it later, there's something in there that he's depositing, and I feel like even if I never say it, I'm I'm changing the quality of who I am is being changed. He's adding some of his holy substance to me, kind of like that song we were singing. The longer I behold you, I can't help but say it again. You're holy. I don't even know what to say of you, but the more I behold you, the more I know I'm being transformed. So I, I'm close to him. Words that inspire us to persevere, to believe against all appearances. Words that satisfy our souls. That's what that's about. I'm, I'm here and he's speaking words that satisfy my soul. Mary's soul and Martha's soul and your soul. Take time. Jesus is saying, Martha, I want you to have time at at my feet, hearing. He would say the same to us. To take time to receive, we must. It's good to serve, but it's necessary for us to take a moment to receive. Here in 2024, and I'm going to close with this. Let's unclutter unconcern ourselves with some of the extraneous stuff. God, is this necessary? And, you know, here we just had this announcement about serving after church. I think it's a wonderful thing to know that some of these jobs take three or four minutes and it's done. It's like, but then it means somebody else isn't spending 45 minutes doing 10 of those jobs. Because a whole bunch of people have picked up one or two of them. And great! And then we're, we all go home happy. That's the kind of thing. So the, saying unclutter doesn't mean we're not doing anything. But to say, God, what's mission critical right now? What, what's necessary r- right now? What is the necessary thing right now? Undistract ourselves. Don't be drawn away after all kinds of distractions. Undistract yourself for times with Jesus, listening and receiving His Word. Now, this is broader than Bible reading right here. This is Mary showing devotion to Jesus Himself. That could, we could preach this as a message about prayer. We could preach this as a message about obedience. It could be a message about worship. And maybe it will be next week. But right now, I want to use this to point to the Word because she was in listening to his word. I want to encourage you here at the beginning of this year, the beginning stage of it, to commit yourself to Bible intake. Not just Bible reading, but Bible intake. You read it. You read it over and try to understand it. You study it. And I realize that, you know, there's limitations on people's time, but we can't Use that as an excuse. We make time for what's important. Take some time this year for Bible intake. Read it. Determine. I think it's a good thing. Determine to read it every day. Some little bit or some larger amount. But take it in. Read it. Study it. Think it over. Mull it over like I was talking last week about that whole thing of meditation. Meditate on it. Think it over. Think it over. Speak it out. Pray it. Let the Word be part of your prayer life. Memorization. Memorize it. It's a good thing. So when you need it, it's like you can... It's, it's there and ready, not just even for somebody else, but for you. Hey, what was that verse? What was that promise of God about having, you know, um, God never leave me or forsake me? I need to have that promise at hand so that when the enemy tells me, ah, you've been abandoned. No, no, I'm not. Jesus said, I'll be with you always to the end of the world, the end of the age." I'm going by what He said. His promise. His word. So this year, make a commitment to yourself and to God about taking in His words. His words of life. The truth. Letting it speak to your heart. Guide you. Convict you where it needs to. Make adjustments. We could make a case for Bible reading from hundreds of passages in the Bible. But tonight, we're using this one about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. Get near to Jesus and listen to him. I want to say one thing about uh, this as we close. Today's the 13th day of uh, 2024. It's a leap year, so there's 366 days in this year. So that means there are 353 days left. If you read your Bible... No, let me, let me say this another way. I was going to say, if you read your Bible about 10 to 15 minutes a day, you would cover about three and a quarter to three and a half chapters per day. You can read the entire Bible from beginning to end in this year, now there are Bible reading plans so that you're not just reading from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation because there are some places in there where you might sort of lose motivation because it's you'll, you might get bogged down. So there are there are Bible reading plans that'll say read these two chapters in the Old Testament and this one in the New Testament. There are 789 chapters in the Bible, so that means. If you read three and a half chapters a day, starting tomorrow, you'll finish about almost two weeks before the end of the year. If you read three and a half per day. 10 to 15 minutes. Is it doable? Oh, absolutely. Is it profitable? Absolutely. His Word, you can not so that you walk around and say, hey, I read the thing from beginning to end. It's like, oh, here's open the pearly gates. You're in. No, that's not for that reason, but because every word in here is inspired by God, is profitable, it says, for reproof, for correction, for encouragement, for life, for us. It's the word of life. So, I would encourage you Read that thing. Know what's in it. Get in there. Uh, I mean, three and a half chapters is not much. Uh, if you want, you read ahead a little bit. And you, I knew, knew a guy that would read the Bible twice a year, every year, six months. I mean, seven chapters of the Bible is not much, except when you get to Psalm 119. <laughs> and a couple of them like that. But for the most part, you could do it easily. Translations? Oh, Plans. Yeah. I'm doing the
1: Nikki Gumbel one right now. Good.
0: Nikki and Peppa Gumbel. Yeah. You can actually, if you're depending on the translation you use, you can just push play, and it will literally play the devotional for you, so you can listen to it, play all the scriptures. You don't even have to physically read them. You can do the dishes and listen to them as well. Right. Do, you could put it and listen to it all night long while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. But do that. I, I encourage you to have a pen and paper handy, too, when you're reading. Because sometimes you can just write down, oh, this verse. This verse meant something to me. Come back. Maybe even write down, this is what it spoke to me. Something good. That, But that's for another night. Uh, I'd love to talk about that more. But it's for you. You can make it through the Bible and know what is in God's Word, and it will produce fruit in your life. You won't be sorry. Let's pray. Father, thank you even for this uh, exhortation from your word. We want to be like Mary, recognizing priority that we want to be close to you, Lord. We want to get near to you and we want to hear you. We want to listen to you. We want to be with you over against every other thing. We want to serve you, Lord. We want to please you in every aspect of our lives. But mostly, we want to get close to you and know you. And so sometimes we know that's going to mean just being still and listening to you. Hearing you speak from your word. I pray you'd give grace to each one here tonight in Jesus' name. And for the many, God, for this night, for whatever the reason might be, for the many who aren't here tonight, Lord, we pray that this would be a church where the Word of God has an elevated place in our lives in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen.